Hello and a very warm welcome to all of our listeners of this very special episode of the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald and I am here with my very dear colleague, Eric Lina. Eric, welcome and hello. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much and welcome to you as well. I apologize off the outset because I'm feeling a bit under the weather, so We're going to have to take this one easy, but it is a very special one. So looking forward. Yes. And uh, for everyone, this will be not a special episode where we will, you know, have a guest on the show. This will actually be one of our favorite episodes that we're recording uh, this year. We've done this last year already. So this will be the Concept House Design Awards for everything that pretty much comes into the, the year of 2019. We are having nine categories in total that we're going through, uh, you know, one after another. And Eric and myself will reveal our choices for certain categories. So we're going to have production car uh, design of the year, concept car design of the year, uh, but also things such as most disappointing production car design, uh, best exterior, and so on and so on. So we will be talking about this for the next, you know, about hour or so. And uh, Eric, what do you think? Let's get cracking, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Now, first category going out to the uh, best color material finish, color and trim design, whichever you prefer, of the year. And this will be an open category, so it won't it won't be specific for production or concept car. We took the freedom to actually chose either. So this will be just in general the best uh, CMF design of 2019. And Eric, we'll we'll do it that way. You begin, and then you know I'll, I will I will share my thoughts about everything from my side. So your CMF design of the year for either concept car or production car, please share it with us. All right. So I basically picked the BMW i Vision Vision i Next, that concept car that was unveiled sometime over the summer. Um, and then it made it subsequently its public debut at the Frankfurt Auto Show. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, it paid homage to a certain, you know, M car <laughs> design back in the day from uh, Jajaro, of course. That's, um, there was, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't very much in tune, in my opinion, with the BMW horn of whole form language and things. But again, it's a future vision car. So, that's uh, BMW's outward forward concepts. But to me, that car was just a pure color and trim job. There was nothing really, um, you know, exciting about that car if you took away the colorways. Um, and that was that was it. I mean, from a material perspective, they used leather and things like that. Um, yeah, it was it was cool with like the um, the way that the uh, the IP with the gauges was kind of laid out. You know, it's like perspex. So I think for me that was kind of a, a shouty, you know, orange and silver um, car that looked like one of these uh, baboons that I forget the name of. But we've mentioned this car already in another <laughs> podcast, so um, avid listeners can re- re- go back and and remember and. Um, check that one out. But uh, yeah, so that to me was, I guess, you know, from a CMF team, BMW's done always pretty well, um, you know, and and uh, it's a luxury brand, so why not? But that to me, I guess, was was standing out in terms of uh, 
of CMF? Oh, um, my choice will be going to the Kia Habanero, not just because of just of its name, because that is just one of the best names that, you know, a car has, uh, has received this year. But after I saw, you know, was presented at the New York Motor Show and I saw it in person at the LA Motor Show for the very first time. And I remember when we did the podcast episode on the New York Motor Show, we were both, you know, raving about this. We love the color and trim, like, you know, the, the way it's it works together. It's a small car, but it's very modern. It's very fresh. It picks up exactly the, the materials and the colors of its time to push forward. So... You know, when I when I saw it in person, I you know I, I just couldn't get away from it. It was great to look at. Unfortunately, it wasn't open, so we couldn't really get a feeling uh, at the time when we were in LA. But it was definitely one of the outstanding color combinations. And uh, you know, we've had this with Kia before that they have done some very good job with the color and trim. And so, consequently, for me, that was you know the most interesting and the most fun. Uh, you know, CMF design of, uh, of 2019. So in those regards, a very, you know, big congratulations to the guys over at Kia, as well as to the guys over at BMW to their award for best CMF design of the year to the uh, BMW Vision M next and to the Kia Habanero. So well done to these guys. Now, number two in our list and in our awards list is the best UX of the year. So this can be anything from, you know, a, an interface to, uh, you know, a, a control system to an entire UX, you know, to an entire experience in a, in, a, in a car. And again, we were keeping this fairly open. So this will be before both a concept and a production car. And so, Eric, what do you think? What, what was the one that stood out for you in 2019? All right, so for me, there's been there's been a couple of cars that have been uh, set aside for this product category here. Uh, my personal favorite, though, and again, I I, I want to make a little side note, a little asterisk here. To me, UX is everything. It's all encompassing. It's design. It's not just an interface. It's not just a you know. It's it's everything from the marketing message to the feeling that you get. When you see the car to the, uh, you know, lifting the door handle, everything that comes into play, the whole emotional experience, if you will, of interacting with the vehicle. And to me, um, I picked one of the more recent concepts that was shown at the uh, Guangzhou Motor Show, which is uh, GAC's record-breaking aerodynamic vehicle. And the, the reason I did that was because I quite liked the interior layout. Um, I liked the way that they really looked after their um, demographic. You know, GAC is a Chinese company. And they they created a vehicle that has like a little rearward facing or, um, you know, baby seat, a seat in the rear for the pass- for the teenage passenger. You know, you have the... Um, two older adults, um, perhaps grandparents in the back seat, and then the two couple, you know, the couple in the front, the mother and father driving. And I thought that interior layout was very, you know, good and fitting for their demographic and their clientele and uh, their market. So I thought that was, um, that was to me, uh, something that deserved uh, recognition. 
Very well. Very surprising choice, actually. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people would have thought about something a little bit more on the more traditional side, but uh, I, I do agree on that one as well. I think the GSC guys have uh, have surprised us with uh, with that concept and uh, and what it was. And I think the overall package was surprisingly good uh, coming out of them. So well well done to them. Uh, for me, I have chosen the Honda E. And <laughs> I I know that this is probably a choice where a lot of people say like, oh, you know, like the you know the production version is not as cool as the as the concept car. But for me, this entire thing, and this goes back to a little bit something that you said earlier. The idea of an entire object, like, you know, the entire experience of that product. And for me, the Honda E just grasps the idea of who it who it's made for. It's made for the young people. It's made for, you know, the the, the generation that was born around the 2000s, like, you know, in the, in the 90s. It's a fresh car. And if you look into how well it integrates into that kind of lifestyle, and I just want to give one little example of this, there is an... Uh, a USB and then there is an HB and, uh, an HDMI input. So you could technically take your little Nintendo retro console, plug it in and play it in the car if you, if, if you're taking a break. So these little kind of ideas in terms of the entire experience go so well into the whole idea of what this little Honda E is and who it is for. I do agree that from an experience perspective, when when you see the concept car and what it went on into the production version, there could be some kind of questions about this and there could be some criticism about this. But just the entire setup is so well done towards the customer group they want to aim for that I'm saying like for me, the entire experience and sitting in it at the, at the Frankfurt show was just absolutely fantastic. And they have absolutely nailed it. Who do you want to put this car for as an entire experience, as an entire, you know, exterior, interior, everything that comes together, the color and trim as well. It's, it, it was just the perfect kind of overall package for me. And the experience that we, that, that, that we, that we had with it was, was just incredible. I had great fun in that car and I, and I always enjoy looking at it. You know, it always brings up, brings up a smile. And this is part of this experience as well. So for me, best UX or even best experience for a car of 2019, uh, will be going to the Honda E. And once again, Congratulations to the guys over at JAC, at GAC. I do apologize for that, and and Honda for their respective wins on on both sides over here. Uh, yeah, so let's let's move on. Once again, you know we're, we're we're going through these quite quickly because we have the big ones coming up fairly soon. Eric, what do you think was the best? interior of the year for either concept or production in 2019 well yes um well i I was a bit torn actually because um there's a few cars that i liked one was more conceptual and the other one was newer production but in the end i picked the infinity qx inspiration i believe it was called the concept from detroit last year i thought that was a very very nice um vehicle it was uh one of the only cars that we saw that had Kareem Habib breathe on it. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, really very nice. I mean, I love the way that it was proper like Zen garden in there. <laughs> you know, they yeah. had um, yeah. they had a little bonsai tree in the back. It was like, um, 
very, very nice and very well done and very Japanese. And again, very calming, especially with like its white color and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I thought that was really very, very nice. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, basically that was, uh, that was my pick, but then it was a very close second, you know, as a kind of runner up, I also liked the, uh, the Tabascan, which is very different. You know, I mean, on the one end, you've got this like fractal interior of the, um, infinity with these like cushions that are, you know, depressed, all white and gold and very, um, shall we say luxurious colorways with this like center screen. And then, um, you know, a little, um, a rose petal in the back. I thought that was, um, you know, really well done in the infinity, but then in the, in the, in the Seat Tavascan, it's very much near production. Now there's a lot of things in there that I liked about detailing and things. Um, in particular, again, it's also using copper, which is a very big trend this year in terms of demarcating, uh, electric vehicles. Um, it's, it's huge, um, from a color perspective, uh, the, the, the copper colorway, um, but I, I liked the, it was more kind of a, a focused sporty, which is obviously what the Cupra brand is under the Seat umbrella. Um, it's, you know, the, the, uh, electric, uh, performance sub brand. Um, and so they used things like, you know, this one could have won in, in, in CMF as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it, they used yep. a lot of things like copper, like, uh, carbon fiber, you know, some really cool leather, pixelated kind of, um, you know, uh, and then ultimately the way that the screen kind of isn't overly ob- obtrusive, you know, in my, it was like, there's one main screen in front of the steering wheel for the driver. And then another kind of swiveling screen, which is serves as the infotainment user, um, units for the user, the passenger rather, and the, uh, the driver. So, I don't know. I thought it was uh, a very nice um, interior space, um, and so that's why I was. It was a bit of a toss-up between the Infinity and the uh, and the uh, Cupra Tavascan for me. But in the end, I, I ended up picking the the Infinity, um, which was a really very nice uh, vehicle indeed. And obviously, Infinity continuing. Uh, parts of their reign from our 2018 edition uh you know thanks to karim habib who's unfortunately not there anymore who moved on to to kia in the past few months but uh, yeah thank you very much for this eric on on my side i th- i i pretty much had a very clear winner looking back into all the shows and like you know if events and visits we had over the over the the, the course of 2019 and for me that was the uh, the peugeot 208 I remember very, very clearly, and you know, from 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 sitting in it at the Geneva Motor Show when it was presented, it was just fantastic. I mean, you know, it it looks great from the outside as well. They've 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 renewed it, they've refreshed it in a very, very good way. But I was very surprised and extremely positively surprised how they developed the interior. The quality felt very, very good. Actually, you know, it felt very solid um, for you know, a car in that kind of price range. It, it was just extremely surprising to to see that something like this is happening and possible. Uh, they had a double layer head-up system pretty much that is part of the of the dashboard. So not uh, 
above the dashboard, but part of it, the, uh, the dashboard of when you look at it. So that was really cool. I did enjoy that setup. The, it wasn't too full. Like the handling felt really nice in terms of grasping the steering wheel as well. So the entire layout of this was, was basic and was simple and not basic in a negative way, actually in a positive way that I, I have to say for me, that was the most pleasant experience of sitting in and looking at an interior because it wasn't overloaded. I had a little bit of the feeling this year that there was a lot of either screen only or, you know, overloading the interior quite a bit, which I personally didn't, didn't enjoy that much. So for me, Peugeot 208 had a perfect mix of everything and, uh, and well done to the team over at Peugeot. And of course, also to the Infinity team for con continuing their success in the category of best interior of the year. Uh, and this is once again, either for a concept or a production car. So we've talked about interior. Eric, what do you think is coming up next? Um, probably, probably exterior, I would say. Probably exterior. Yeah. You're 100% right. So uh, same principle, concept and production car being put together. Uh, for the best exterior of 2019, hit me. What is your what what is your number one choice? Uh, and I think it could either be controversial or it could be very straightforward. Yeah, I think I'm um, I'm pretty straightforward. I think it's uh, I think it's very conservative as well that I would pick this, <laughs> but uh, that's what I picked. The so Porsche Taycan. Um, to me, it's uh, it's it's something that we've seen before it's not uh, revolutionary by any means um it's uh you know something that is honing on something that's been tried and trusted and true and that we've known through porsches forever um you know from a volume perspective surfacing like the whole thing um you know the 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 forms of the the exterior design of the porsche Taycan is is definitely something that I really quite enjoy, and um, you know, again because it's pr probably because it's so familiar. What do you talking a little bit about, you know in a bit more detail about this? What was the what was the outstanding part for you? Was it just like the the manufacturing quality again, or because I know I remember we had conversations in the past. We were like, oh, you know, like it's a little bit of a letdown compared to the to the concept to the Mission E. So, what is it that you know? took it to the uh, over the edge for you to say like this is this is my best one i don't i don't think it's a letdown from the concept at all i think um you know the concept was done very long ago and uh of course some things were over exaggerated in that uh, vehicle but i think in order to bring something like that into production and again i think it's the combination of all sorts of things but mostly um you know it's the attention to detail that's been paid um, mm -hmm. you know, the way that, um, the, the treatment of, you know, the, the lamps, for example, I mean, we could have had a whole interior, uh, ex a category specifically for lighting, but, um, you know, there's, um, the airways, you know, the, and the fronts, the vents, the cooling and the, the, um, just the overall surfacing, the voluptuousness of that, uh, exterior body. Um, the way the charge point opens, for God's sake. Like, I mean, everything about that car is really um, extremely high-end, um, very well considered, very well thought of. And um, to the point where, you know, the interior in certain respects is like, I mean, look, they've got a lot of screens and things like that, which is great. And I didn't, you know, vote 
for an interior design on that card specifically because um, there's quite a lot of uh, fiddliness. I watch uh, mm-hmm. I watch this guy on YouTube that reviews cameras and he always talks about fiddliness and uh, ease of use. And you know when you start looking at some of the things that Porsche has put into the screen <laughs> and isn't actually like a button and readily available, you think yeah. about how fussy it is. Um, and if you look at the door, for example, for the charge point, it could be argued that that is, you know, fussy where you've got to slide your finger below and to to get it open instead of just opening it like you do on a Tesla. But that to me is what makes it what differentiates Porsche and Tesla. It's the quality, it's the luxury aspect, it's the feel that you have that you don't, um, you know, with uh, with a Tesla product. And um, that to me is is what made it stand out. I mean, everything. I don't think there's one bad piece on that car you know i mean of course it'll it'll tick certain boxes in different colorways which is amazing Mm -hmm. on how like um that car because we saw one in green in munich and it was like really subdued and sedate almost it was like um you know uh not something that you would consider um costing as much as it does but um i think you know from from uh from a volume perspective from a you know, just electric sports car package perspective. And again, an exterior design, um, you know, uh, family feel and surfacing perspective. That is what gave it my vote. Interesting that you said uh, Tesla just now, <laughs> comparing it uh, to the Porsche. For me, and I know this is controversial because we had this uh, as part of, you know, a podcast discussion already. But for me, the exterior of the year is a Tesla Cybertruck. And not necessarily from an aesthetic perspective. I think there's a lot to discuss. I think there's a lot that can be said on the pro and on the on the con side for the Cybertruck. But for me, I think where it stands out is just what it means to the industry. And so I'm I'm taking this a little bit just you know aside from pure aesthetics. But this is so different. This is so pushing. I know you know, you think a little bit differently about this. It's vulgar. It's, you know, it's, it's everything that nowadays culture to a certain degree is, but this is the kind of thing for me, it brings this cultural aspect fully back into the car and into the, into the mobility design. And it's going to challenge everything over the past few, over the next few years, excuse me, on what we think of, of transportation design, mobility design. And for me, it's really that thought about we want you to think differently. And I know from a pure aesthetics perspective, people can challenge this and they might not agree with me on putting this as the best exterior of the year. And probably the best exterior is a, is a little bit of an exaggeration. But for me, I've changed this a little bit. It's the most important exterior of 2019. Maybe not when you just compare it to the Porsche from a surfacing perspective, you know, it obviously has some different manufacturing methods and all these things that, you know, Elon Musk presented in his presentation, but from a pure challenge perspective and what this thing, you know, might change in the industry, this is probably the the, the biggest one that we have seen in a very long time. So for me, the Cybertruck, is the best slash most important exterior for any kind of concept or production car of 2019. Uh, and of course, we don't know if this car is yet production, even though Elon says it is. But you know, there there have been quite a few questions already 
about this being a production car, but for me, uh, is the clear winner for for this category. Yeah, well, you, you don't sound happy about this, my friend. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's your that's your vote. I mean, of course, calling it important is different than calling it best. Best as in good? Hell no. Um, and that's my personal opinion. Um, important, yes. Important for the right reasons, uh, perhaps not. Marketing potential, yes, absolutely. Um, but anyway, I think we can revisit this in a little bit later on. Uh, we can, and of course, you know, if you want to have a little bit further discussion on the Cybertruck or listen to our discussion, like, you know, check out the, uh, I think it's episode fifteen, uh, where we talk about the Cybertruck in very much detail on on the pod. So number five. And we're, we're taking a quick break here or like a quick sidestep before we get into like our main three categories that are going to be a bit more extended. Um, we don't want to say that things are, you know, bad or like, you know, things we don't like and all these kind of things. You know, we have a very strong opinion, but we felt it was necessarily to share a little bit maybe on this, what, what we thought disappointed this year. So the next two categories will be what we think was the most disappointing concept card design of the year and also the the most disappointing production card design of the year. And Eric, let's actually start with what we would call the most disappointing concept card design of 2019. And please uh, please do share with, uh, with me and with the audience what your choice has been for that. All right. On, on my side... Um you know, I, I put this list together rather quickly. So I remember the things that I remember most recently, but I'm sure there's been some bad ones in the past because it hasn't <laughs> been a fantastic year. But the one that really stood out for me, I think, was this FAW. So is uh the Honky brand, uh, E115, which was the SUV shown in Frankfurt in September. And the reason I chose that vehicle in particular was because it's it's an SUV. They had no interior. It had gold trim and silver plated trim. It was all all over the place. The grill was ridiculous. But even if you get past the typology, I guess the underlying question for me with this type of vehicle, which has to be said, was actually designed in China and um, not in Europe. And, you know, even though it was badged a Hongqi, Hongxi was not actually um, the product of uh, Gilles Taylor's team in in, uh, Munich, to my understanding. So anyway, that being said, it seems like, you know, the Chinese are, are really in a position to lead and yet then you see things like this hitting the floor and it's like it's a massive missed opportunity it's not anything innovative or new or fresh or you know it didn't even have an interior for god's sake and the colorways um and and the 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 mix of of material was just so jarring that that's why i picked it that's that's basically why i picked that as my most disappointing concept car design I can understand this. There was a lot of criticism on that. I think even the European media was just uh, a bit confused about this car, you know, being there as well. I would like to add one thing. We're, we're not going to talk about one specific car, but this will be the, you know, one of the all-time worst list. Uh, if you remember back to Geneva, there was this Hispano Suiza um, 
thing. Let's really call it a thing. I don't know if it was concept car or production car, but um, I have not included this into my list, but this was one of the absolute worst ones we've seen in a very long time. Absolutely terrible. If you have not seen it, don't do yourself a favor and look at it. It's good to forget about it. If you have seen it, look at it again and wonder how this can actually make it to a show. Um, speaking of actually making it to a show, but that's not what from I, a big company now. <laughs> uh, well, that's yes, not but like, from it was, like a it, major automaker. <laughs> no, I, 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 I do, I do agree on that one, of course. But that even for a small automaker was so incredibly bad <laughs> that it needs a special mention here. Mm. Uh, but yeah, putting it back to the big automakers, for me, the most disappointing concept car of the year was the Lagonda All Terrain concept. Mm. It, you know, it came out in Geneva this year and it was presented in a very tight little room almost that you could only access from one side and then you had to walk around it with very little space in between so you you didn't really get a nice little feeling of what a lagonda is which is a very luxury vehicle uh if people remember back to the to the original aston martin lagonda which probably had one of the absolute coolest interiors ever super digital even back in the 70s i think when it came out or early 80s which is always something that i will remind myself of if, if you want to have a futuristic car is that original lagonda aston have in the past pushed the lagonda a little bit and there were you know i think a very very small amount of production batches of a new lagonda sedan that came out i don't know if it was a big or a big production series or if it was just a small uh prototyping stage or I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but they went into the right direction. And then this thing came out, which was absolutely huge. It tried to be very luxurious, but for me, it had some very strange details in there. There was almost this floating, uh, I don't know what it was, like a button that I just necessarily didn't understand. Maybe that's also just me. But it's it's something for me is where I was hoping for great things like you know cool Lagonda with like a lot of technology and all these things and and then it just became this you know old country house pretty much that looked quite posh but but didn't really keep what it was promising and I also didn't like the exterior look out of it I think it looked a little bit out of proportion it looked you know the color didn't help which was i think a dark green uh, if i remember correctly with a lot of you know gold hints so it it, it just didn't work it out for me and uh, it, it it was the one that i remembered most you know vividly in terms of just like ah, i didn't really like it but you could also mention the the audi ai trail which was shown in in frankfurt which i just didn't get why it was there i mean it seemed like it was such a waste of money just to do that kind of car um that was that was a disappointment but in terms of the expectations that i had and then getting the result unfortunately lagonda um is uh is on the number one for me here mm. so um okay yeah well the lagonda right. actually fit into my list but in different areas which we'll get into later we will get we will get there later and we will be we'll be very excited to see where the lagonda will be coming up again on mr galina's side and yeah so before we get to the really big ones, the absolute last one on uh, on the single one. So most disappointing production car of the or production car design of the year, Eric. What's your what's your choice on the raspberry of car design? 
All right. So again, I'm going I'm going large companies here and I'm going by something that I was initially extremely enthusiastic about um, when I saw it in production form. And then subsequently, I was just really let down by the way that it um, transferred into production. And when I say transferred, um, they actually built both of these side by side. They had the production version already done. They were just like, you know, uh, in typical Japanese, so there's a clue, um, typical Japanese fashion, they decided to tune the car and make it look ridiculously awesome. And then they came out with the prototype. And now you guys probably know exactly what I'm talking about. And then ultimately the final series production model, which was unveiled in Frankfurt earlier this year. Now, my pick for the most disappointing is purely from an exterior perspective, because I quite like the interior, but it's got to be the Honda E. You know, that to me, like from a, a front end, like a facial graphic perspective, the front and rear ends just lost so much when they decided to lose the kind of squared off appeal and the and the mm-hmm. little little detailing that made that car such a product it could have been an iconic little piece of design that it could have been a, the, the new beetle but now to me it's you know a car with a big screen some wood in there um you know a couple of uh yeah it's spacious but hey it's electric let's hope so right um, even though it's it's quite diminutive in size, but I think what really lets lets it down to me is the DRG. That's to me is kind of and then the wheel size, of course. But hey, you know they gotta save some money. They're not gonna put 18s or whatever it was 19s or 20s on the on the on the concept version. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just um, the wheels. I think are too small for that body. If they just made it a little bit bigger, if they made the wheels, the headlamps and the tail lamps squared off. I wouldn't be having this con- we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So that to me was a disappointment just from a purely personal perspective as to what my expectations were and then ultimately they were not really met. And then when you look at the price point on that car as well it's damn near 30,000 pounds. So yeah. um no, no, no. <laughs> I I'm not angry with you at that one. I mean I've mentioned I've mentioned the Honda E before. But I can I can agree on that one. I think it's it's more about the concept was so good that it was almost impossible to keep the, these expectations uh, for the production car. And I think then when we actually got to see <laughs> the production car, it was like, oh man, this is too bad, and we want to have this concept. But you know that's that's sometimes the way it goes, and it's oftentimes what the designers say as well. We can, we can do great concepts, but once we put it into production, it can be. It can become very, very tricky. Uh, for me, I'm, I actually have two that I would say are most disappointing production ones for me. The first one is uh, the Volkswagen ID3. And that is mainly because of its interior. I, I understand the exterior. It's supposed to be an electric Golf, uh, even though there is an electric, an actual electric Golf. I've just seen it in a couple <laughs> of them today on the Autobahn driving back to Munich. The ID3, I think, you know, could have could have used a bit more refinement time. It's again, I've said this in the last episode when we were when we were reviewing a show, which was uh, the LA Motor Show, and I've said this about the ID Space Vision. I think uh, it was. It's an absolute solid car, and the ID3 is exactly that as well. But with all the hype that was made from this, with all the 
excitement, expectations that also Volkswagen pushed into this. I was quite let down, especially by the, by the, by the interior. Didn't expect a lot from the exterior. It is Volkswagen after all. They're a more conservative company. But the interior of the ID3 was was unfortunately not what I was hoping for. I was hoping that they could, you know, push a little bit further. I didn't like the the infotainment system uh, that was on there. It also felt quite cheap, which I think is a byproduct of building an electric car. And I remember, you know, sitting there, sitting in the car with a couple of people, and you know, our producer Eddie was in there as well, and Sam Livingston. And we just had the feeling that something was missing, and I was I was actually quite sad because I was looking forward to to the ID three, but it's you know it, it it seems like they they had to stop at some point, and you know it, it just felt really disappointing, and you know I, I was just hoping for a bit more and a little bit more exciting. So it's not necessarily just a design perspective; it's more like a gut feeling, and it's more like an you know experience feeling about it as well. And the other one. Uh, will show up on <laughs> again on my side later, but I think is more a general kind of disappointment because I think it was almost impossible to not disappoint us, which is the new Defender. And I want to make one thing very clear. The new Defender is not a bad looking car at all. I think the new Defender is just almost impossible as the successor of a car that has been running for 70 years that everybody that you know and I know not even in in the car design industry, they know what the Defender is. It's almost like the G-Class. If you ask the people, they can almost draw it for you, even if they don't have any drawing skills. And why the thing is disappointing for me is that, you know, I was very, I I did expect that it was not going to go into into the same direction anymore. It was going towards a different kind of customer group. But it was just very plasticky. Um, you know, it, it it was trying to it was not the defender anymore. I think for me, it was more like an SUV direction that looked a little bit like a defender, took some design cues from the original defender. Uh, but it was obviously not as classical anymore. There were a lot of details on there that I think, you know, could have could have done a little bit differently, especially on the interior. I think they've learned negatively from the Velar. Um, I'm, I'm never, you know, I've never really been a big fan of the Velar. Um, and again, for me, like the 90, so like the smaller one I preferred, I just liked it a little bit better than the 110. But again, that comes from me with the, with the expectations that we had for a new Defender, that it's almost impossible to, to give us that kind of feeling of like, yeah, this is exactly what we want. Um, so this comes with a little bit of an asterisk and not all, not in that negative way, but unfortunately the Defender, uh, alongside the ID3 are my disappointments of, uh, for production car design of 2019. Yes. Yes. But again, it's kind of on the same note for me because, you know, you had a certain expectation that you were, um, you know, that you wanted that to live up to. I mean, Shit, it looks a hell of a lot better than DC 100 that they came out with a few days, a few years ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that was very much like a toy. Whereas this, you know, um, I had, you know, I was with my kids in uh, some shopping mall like last weekend or two weekends ago, and we saw one. Um, and, and, and you know, my kids were drawn to it. It was just um, – yeah. but I, I definitely – I can definitely appreciate your sentiments about the authenticity of the materials chosen, certainly. 
um, it definitely lets it down again at, uh, you know, these things are not cheap. <laughs> it's like they're, they're pretty expensive, um, you know, uh, four by fours, very capable four by fours. So you'd think that they'd want to put some more durable and rugged materials instead of just doing something that's pretty much just for show. Um, anyway, there was, there was a few things wrong with that, but you know, I, I would go out on a limb here and being <laughs> based in England, um, I might get some flack for this and catch some flack for this as well, but it's not like, the Brits do some, you know, super high end quality stuff, man. Um, you know, ever really. And even if you look at like high end supercars and stuff, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really appalling. I mean, um, some of the, some of the detail work and things just, uh, ultimate fit and finish is not nearly on par with what the Germans can produce or even the Japanese. So, um, anyway, that uh, that I, I can agree with you on that front. Yeah. And again, this is, this is not the worst or any kind of that. We, we consciously avoided that because, uh, you know, calling something the worst is always, you know, very emotional, of course, as well. So that's why we said disappointing. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad design as we will see a little bit later on, but it's just the, the overall feeling behind it. So, all right, Eric, mm. are you ready for the three big ones? Yeah, yes. you, you, You're ready to, to go, I think to go, so. you know, really hard. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Now I'm just going to explain this a little bit. So the last um, six categories that we had were literally just singles. So that means you know we we each picked one specific car that we liked for each category. Uh, the next three that we have, which will be design team of the year, concept car design of the year, and production car design of the year, will have each you know a ranking from three to one. And what we will do, Eric just to kind of explain this also to the listeners, we will start with three. You will say your three. I will say my three. We go to two and then we go to one. Mm -hmm. And we will do that for all three categories. And we are starting with the design team of the year. So your third place design team of 2019 goes to, drum roll. Goes to Tesla. And the main reason why I chose this is because, well, it's pretty self-evident. Um, you know, they were tasked to do something. They did it. Elon Musk came in and he said, I want that. And they made it. And that's, you know, <laughs> so that to me, they rank, they rank up there. They deserve a place on that totem pole, mainly because, um, and this, this is particularly for the younger listeners out there. If you want to create art, go be an artist. Because car design is a business and you're going to have a boss and he's going to tell you what to do. And you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> when he says jump, you're going to have to say how high, because that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's about selling product and it's about answering to a guy who, you know, is, uh, is basically calling the shots. That's the way that it is. That's the cyber truck, in my opinion. And I don't have this, you know, internally by way of Tesla or anything. I don't have insider information, but to me, the, the Tesla design team deserves uh, hats off because they did what was asked of them. They did a pretty good job. I don't agree with what it is that they ultimately did, not from an aesthetic perspective, but for more philosophical underlying issues um, that I have with that. But at the end of the day, they were asked to deliver and hell, they delivered, man. Them and the marketing team worked jointly to create something where, damn, you know, the marketing, the, the, that, no one does not know what the Cybertruck is. 
basically. Yeah. And yeah. At the end of the day, I think the design team deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, very well agree. I, I will have Tesla on this list, but it comes a little bit later on. For me, a number three comes maybe a little bit as a surprise because I just mentioned them on the most disappointing production car side, but this is going to be Volkswagen. And I was actually struggling quite a long time with this number three spot. And I gave it to Volkswagen because the continuous quality that they're delivering, one also has to always remember they are not making show cars or concept cars the way other you know studios do it and other companies are doing it. They always base them on the principles of feasibility. So internally at Volkswagen, you do a car and you present it to the world and it has the option of becoming a feasible production car and a ser- you know a serious car, serious production car. So um we we should not see them on the way of the crazy things. And they have some ups and they had definitely some downs uh in 2019. But I think in terms of the quality that they're delivering and you know a very steady kind of process with all these things that they're showing. They're one of the companies that always show something. You know, Volvo uh, famously set out the uh, the Geneva Motor Show. They weren't there for Frankfurt, if I remember. So, you know, they, they were picking their spots quite a bit, whereas Volkswagen is always there and they always show something. And it's never... It's never the best of the show, but it's never the worst of the show. So it's extremely solid. So for me, Volkswagen is number three, just because they're extremely solid and they're extremely consistent in what they're doing. And I think that should also be appreciated because that's a very difficult thing to do. If you've, you know, doing, doing a very consistent job over years and years and years, that's probably one of the hardest things to do in, in life in general, not just at work. Absolutely. Absolutely concur on that. Now, the, All there right. is one little caveat that I should, you know, I don't, the design team of the year, um, I, I, I'm not a fan of this category, if I'm honest, because within a company, there's a lot of different departments that need to come together and work together. And the reason why Volkswagen, I think, is on your list is because they have a very talented team of engineers as well <laughs> that provides them with these platforms and these things that they can then work with. Um, so I think there's, you know, a mention there that should be, um, put in a little asterisk perhaps, but. Um, 100% agree from my side. And also like, you know, we have to understand that, uh, the challenges that they have because they, they cannot go crazy such as, you know, I don't know, like, you know, Aston Martin, when they put out some kind of concepts, we talk about concept cars later. Right where, you know, you can just do pretty much whatever you want. So Volkswagen don't do that. So I think that's, again, the balance. So for us, the design team of the year is really the balance of everything that uh, that goes into it. Maybe with some always exceptions, but then we will explain that in a bit more detail. But let's crack on. Number two place, silver medal in the design team of the year 2019, Mr. Galena goes to. Now, this is funny because there's a link with my number one, in terms of why I picked number two. And I maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. Hopefully it does, and you'll see later. <laughs> um, I picked Seat slash Cupra. And the reason I did that was because, obviously, Seat is also working on Cupra. And we've been to visit that studio before. We know what, uh, you know, the size of the team and what it is that they're doing over there in Barcelona. Um, they're an extremely talented bunch of individuals that are really embracing digital 
um, that are doing extremely well from a, um, you know, it's not the only studio that's embracing digital, but nonetheless, um, they are doing extremely well in terms of like VR and, and entirely like digital tool sets in order to uh, create products and vehicles that are very appealing um, and, you know, that are done in much less time. Uh, so definitely harnessing the efficiency of these tool sets. So that to me is something that's very interesting. Also, I like the fact that like Skoda, I've, I've picked Seat mainly because of the point that I'm going to make in the next paragraph here. Um, but I picked Seat because like Skoda, they have uh, a, a certain appeal that is bringing it back to being a Spanish brand that it originally was. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that really in uh, in the Cooper. It's more fiery. It's more like, you know, um, you know, dancing like uh, whatever, like those that dance that they dance over there. You know, it's more like uh, peppery, slice of life, like spicy. You know what I mean? And so I think what the Seat team, who also works on Cupra, has managed to do with the Cupra uh, offshoot and nameplate um, is phenomenal. I think, uh, you know, it's it's a very appealing product. It's entering into a segment where, you know, no other, no Seat branded product could really. Um, so, you know, they're very much acting as a startup there. And, and um, because new sells, uh, they're doing an exceptional job with the sportiness aspect the electrification and just the overall kind of character of those vehicles that speaks to it being a Spanish uh, brand. So, you know, I, I applaud them for that. What's not to like? I mean, you know, you've mentioned that we've we had the chance to visit the studio and I agree. And I think as a, a it's again the team aspect of it. Uh, we've mentioned Colin Trim earlier, which we didn't, you know, include of the Colin Trim of the year. But I think it's the entire, the entire connection on how they work together. It's an extremely modern way. It's also great that they're being kept alone <laughs> in that sense. That the influence of, you know, other parts of the Volkswagen Group is to a certain degree limited, so that they can develop what they're doing, and. It's it's a good step forward, I think, for them, and uh, definitely well deserved for you know for 2019. And I'm actually I have big hopes for them in 2020. Yeah, I'm, hope, I'm really hoping for the next the next cool stuff coming out in Geneva, and um, very excited to see what's going to happen there. Most definitely. All right, now my number two. I'll keep that you know nice and clean. Um, I've picked Kia. Kia for me have shown just. Again, I'm, I'm going with this kind of consistency level because I think it's it's something just to kind of push uh, push again in the future. I've seen them in, in, in European shows. I've seen them in Chinese shows. I've seen them in American shows. And the general just quality that they're delivering nowadays, and this is still like, you know, a lot of the work from Peter Schreier, um, even, even though he's not officially the head of Kia anymore. Now it's, um, now it's uh, Karim Habib, of course. But just the sheer quality that we are now expecting from Kia and what they're delivering, you know, day in, day out at all these shows. Um, there's a reason I, I gave the Habanero the Colin Trim of the year. But I'm just very impressed with the with the consistency that they have. And, you know, it was for me a very clear number two. Uh, we're getting to number one now, which was for me very clear as well. But well done to the global Kia team and, uh, you know, keep up the work. I'm expecting big things again uh, in 2020 because, you know, what you've de- delivered 
all across the globe in in 2019 was very impressive and for me you know i'm looking forward to 2020 with them yes i do i do like what kia is doing on a number of different levels their concepts are super cool um you know their production product is perhaps not as avant-garde as their production their conceptual products are are kind of um <clears throat> the the direction that they're leaning towards but yeah. uh, again their production their concept cars so you know but uh, i do like the way that uh, they're progressing all right now let's finish this up gold medal and our number one or like let's say first of all your number one for the design team of the year please eric do share it with us all right so my design team again like i said before is related to my number two because this is a company that is doing two things. Um, they're sharing the same design team, but doing very different designs. And um, no, it's not Nissan and Infinity. <laughs> so <laughs> they actually don't share a lot of designers. There's, um, yeah, I mean, they do on some projects, but anyway, that's uh, a little side note. Um, my, my pick for number one was Polestar because Polestar is actually the Volvo design team. Um, Max, uh, Maximilian Missoni, who is actually the head of the Polestar brand, is also exterior design director at uh, at uh, Volvo, and um, their team is very small, but does a very good job um, in terms of showing us what the future is for um, you know an electric car coming from a Swedish brand. And mm-hmm. again, maybe it's a Swedish brand, maybe it's more of an international brand, seeing as they're all being built in China. Um, and they're backed heavily by China, but the, at the same time, everything from a design perspective takes place in Gothenburg. And um, you know, I, I'm basing this based on the output that I, we've seen from them this year. You know, last year and the year before, and I mean, there's uh, I may have even picked these guys last year in terms of design team, but um, I can't remember now. But the point is, they were they and they are continuously putting out products that you're like, oh, wow, you know, that's kind of like if you look at the Polestar 2, that's pretty much on the same package as an ID3. And they've created something that's a world apart. Um, Mm -hmm. That to me is just like, you know, compelling design. It's a cross between a conventional sedan and, you know, an an Audi. It's basically an Audi all-road, but um, a bit a bit more butch, a bit, I don't know. It's very good. It's like a cross country was back in the day with, uh, you know, when, when Volvo was creating those cross countries, Um, you know, wagons, high riding wagons, all wheel drive capable. And they've taken that kind of from their DNA, if you will. And they've progressed it into something that's extremely modern, very cool. um, And very much of the time, you know, Um, again, like, uh, the 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 powertrains in uh, in Volvo's uh, you know is not something that we discuss often, but it's something that is kind of much more relevant than something else. For example, you know, like putting four cylinder or three cylinder power plants in cars is um, is something that is kind of necessary. Now, at the same time, there you know, Volvo is and was the pioneer of holding individual events mm-hmm. where they're flying designers all over the place to uh, come to their Shanghai opening or whatever. So, you know, when you kind of factor that in, you think how green is that really? But ultimately, 
um, from a design perspective, I do very much value the work that the Polestar and the Volvo design team is doing. Um, and you know, if you look at just some of the recent things that have come out, um, particularly the Polestar two, which was shown in Geneva last year, I think it's, um, just case in point to what can be done, um, you know, within a, a design team that's actually forward thinking and, um, coming up with, mm-hmm. uh, with something different and new and fresh. And, you know, I thought it was a really great idea. I cannot argue with you. I, I like the stuff that Volvo is doing Polestar. I like, I love the Polestar one. I love that, you know, when it was a concept as well, the Polestar two is good looking as well. You know, it's being built obviously in, 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 in co-sharing a platform with Geely in particular on Lincoln co. So they're using all, all, all the options they have to making this the most economical uh, way of, you know, developing cars and they're pushing it to the level. I think what Paul, what Paulson and Volvo are really doing great is they, they know how they can push. They know how, you know, they're a design driven company as well. And you can see that in the product and in terms of the development and also the team absolutely love what they're doing um, as well. Now, I'm, I'm putting this controversial because my, my theme was consistency. Now I'm, I'm changing this for my number one. My number one is Tesla. And just simply for one reason, and I'm looking at the Cybertruck and also looking into the ATV, it's obviously, you know, design team plus Elon Musk. I think they're almost, you know, impossible to to separate. But they just had the balls to do something such as the Cybertruck. And just to do that and bring it out, challenge everybody, you know, you know, probably seeing in the way in between that Rivian is coming out, which is again, you know, another great little design team up in uh, in Michigan with what could have been the Tesla pickup truck. And then, you know, they're coming out with the Cybertruck, just having the balls to do that. I mean, hats off to that. A lot of other companies would have never done that. A lot of companies would not have dared to do something like that. And just to do that and really step out and Let's say we put this into production. Um, that's that's just you know where I have to say I have to put those guys in, in number one, and I think it was of course very recent, but it, it was a very clear winner for me um, to to put them on number one. All right. So all right, good. All right, now two to go, Eric. Let's go. Concept car design of two thousand and nineteen. Same game as before. We started three and we go all the way to one. Do you, do, you, do you want to start again? Let's let's go for your number three to okay. Uh, okay. to to go down. So um, <clears throat> I put this uh, I, I put number three as the Tesla Cybertruck, and the reason I did that was for the reasons that you outlined earlier, and that was because it was um, not from a design perspective, but from a sheer kind of you know, what it did and how it resonated and things like that. And its impact on the industry and its resonance within people that don't even know and care about cars know about this thing. So I put that in there mainly because it's, um, it's an important car, right? It's an important car for this year. Mm. Um, but I definitely put in the concept car category <laughs> because that thing, I do not foresee that thing making it to production without any real se- severe, um, you know, uh, altercations, uh, you know, uh, alter- alterations rather, because that to me is, you know, a six meter long truck 
Um, I just, you know, there's so many things that will not make that, uh, will not make it to production without being, um, somehow changed. It needs to be. But, um, anyway, at the same time, um, I did kind of have a a runner up in that category, which was to me, um, you know, and again, you, you didn't like this, but I did. Um, and, and that is the Aston Martin Lagonda all-terrain concept. Now, you know, when we talk about relevance, perhaps, you know, in terms of environmental sustainability and all the rest, perhaps a big, mm. you know, luxury SUV isn't isn't the best thing to be doing. Um, but again, this is an electric SUV um, and it's got a completely different aesthetic than we've seen anywhere else. Um, you know, it's it's uh, so that to me is it's not like it doesn't look bad, um, but it is very much different it's not a conventional, it's not the DBX, that's for sure. And I think in order to move Lagonda into, because again, Lagonda is its own brand, right? It's Aston yeah. Martin Lagonda, just like it's Jaguar Land Rover. So I think the Lagonda all-terrain concept that was shown in Geneva this year um, kind of pulls on previous uh, concepts that were shown um, in, in from the Lagonda perspective, but also it's um it it i think the the way that it appeals to people is is different and maybe the reason why you weren't kind of um identifying with it is because for someone that was born in the 80s or whatever they can kind of see what's going on in terms of like the velour interior in terms of like certain <laughs> aspects that give it this kind of old school appeal so anyone that's like from the 60s or 70s or 80s rather kind of sees that. And I think that would be the design team. Right. (laughs) Um, and, uh, anyway, so I thought that was quite good. Um, especially considering what the biggest, you know, market is in the world right now, what are they buying? You know, big luxury, uh, electric, uh, you know, people carriers. And that's basically what this is in a super extreme high luxury, uh, category. Yeah. That's why we have these these lists, you know, not as one, but actually a separate list because, you know, I I, I mentioned this as a disappointment, so I didn't I didn't really like it. Mm. But what I did like as my third place, and this is something very personal because I think I spoke to a lot of people back when this came out in Geneva, and it was just like, yeah, you know, is it super original? Is it not original? I actually didn't care because it was simple and it was going back to days such as, you know, original E-Type, you know, uh, the DB5s, the DB6s of 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 that time, which is the Piech Mark One, a very simple car. Uh, I can fully agree if people tell me, it's like, look, there's nothing too special about it. It's, you know, it's kept quite simple. It's not too much daring in there. But for me, it was just a car I really enjoyed looking at. And that was pretty much it. It's just like, you know, yes, I like that. There are some tiny little flaws with it that I maybe not 100% convinced about, but I just like looking at it. And so I don't need to say much more than that. It's just PH Mark one, number three uh, for me and a very clear number three, because up until today, when I see a picture, I like looking at it. Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad car. I mean, it's uh, like you say, it's, it has a lot of uh, appeal from a historic perspective two seat GT, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very nice vehicle. We can't argue. 
All right, so we're getting closer to our number one. Number two, silver medalist for concept car designer of the year, Mr. Galena, please share it with uh, me and with the audience. Yes, well, so my my second pick is uh, Fiat and the Centoventi. Um, I I really like that vehicle because again, it's it takes a bit of of, of heritage from uh, from the Fiat brands with the Panda. Um, that to me is something personal as well. My aunt had one when I was a kid. Um, little black original one, which was uh, amazing, tooling around France in one of those things, 1980 or whatever the hell it was. And <laughs> um, I do have fond memories. But again, I do love what uh, Fiat has done with that concept. Um, you know, it's it's personalizable. It's about what you need. It's about, you know, putting in certain batteries when you, um, you know, if you want to keep the charge up, it's about um, it has a little bit of like Opal Junior thing going on in there in terms of the uh, uh, the IP and you can put things. It's modular. You can put what you need in, take what you need out. You can put in a, a small screen or a larger screen, extend it, maybe include your iPad. I mean, there's so many cool ideas in that car, especially from an interior perspective, the exterior as well. Um, because, you know, we all know that Parisians and Italians love to park by touch. Um, so, you know, all of these, uh, you know, these, these things that are like, you know, very useful when you think about a practical application of, you know, having soft, uh, body panels in the front that won't dent or ding up or, you know, maybe not in white, but whatever. I mean, it's a similar taste, which, you know, again, designers really loved the cactus. I, I loved the cactus when it first came out, um, yeah. the original one. But then, obviously, the buying public did not share that sentiment, um, and then they went back to creating something that was, you know, pretty run of the mill, and they lost all the inv- innovation on the um, on the on the body side of that vehicle, which is uh, to me a shame. But anyway, um, I think the the Cento Venti has really resonated. I mean, I, I did a video with Klaus Busse in Geneva about that car, which is on the Form Trends uh, YouTube page, also on the website. And uh, I've gotten a lot of really positive comments on on that vehicle, and um, a lot of people really like it, myself included, which is why it's up in there as uh, as my number two for the concept car design of the year. The Cento Venti was a very close second for me for color and trim, uh, you know, CMF, because I, I just liked it. I'm usually not a big fan of white cars, but this one, you know, kind of had nice touches with color and all these things in Geneva. Um, and I, and I certainly share your sentiment. However, I keep the car small. For me, the number two was the Genesis Mint. And this was the last car that Sasha Silipanov worked on before he left Genesis to move over to Koenigsegg. And it was just, you know, I, I just enjoyed it from the colorways to the interior. You know, you can argue a little bit that the interior was maybe a little bit too much with leather, like, you know, too light of a leather, but from a I was surprised from a company such as Genesis, which is you know aiming towards a luxury level to see a car that small that was number one, but you can clearly see that there's enough sportiness in there to make it just a really cool looking thing. It might not be your average you know small car because it's obviously aimed for a little bit of a different direction and different kind of uh group of interested people in that. But the overall thing is, you know, I just really enjoyed and also the team behind it that did that car, 
use the idea of luxury and put it into a small car, which is extremely difficult, uh, hasn't worked out for a lot of people. And as a concept car, uh, was really good for me. I love the doors. You know, I love the way you look into from the back into the front. Um, I, you know, I like the, the interior with the steering wheel and everything with it. It's quite simple, quite basic. And the stands is just incredible for such a small car. Uh, the overhangs are not really that big. You know, it was just, again, similar to the PH. Like I just loved looking at it. And in the end, that's, you know, what what what, what design in, in total is all about as well. It's like, yes, it is a business, but it also gives us a smile on our face. And I think the, the Genesis Mint did that for me. And how cool is the name if they call it Mint? You know, it's almost like they call it just like the color. Uh, not too many people doing that. Yeah, no, I really did like that car a lot. Um, you know, I would have loved to see that in person, but I didn't make it out to New York, which is where Hyundai is always making splashes. Um, so all I've got to go on is a couple of images and some renderings. But, um, you know, I know a lot of people within that team and certainly Sasha, and that was great to see them come out with something, like you said, that has an incredible stance, you know, a, a new interpretation of luxury in a very compact package. Um, there's some cool details like, you know, the rear doors, of course. Um, I mean, the front face of that car, I think is really, um, easily identifiable and recognizable. Mm -hmm. It's not like, um, it's not overly shouty and in your face. It's like really quite elegant, but also it still has a, a Genesis kind of vibe to it. Um, again, because it's an electric car, it doesn't need this massive grill. Um, but I thought I thought it was overall yes very very pleasing indeed. Um, the interior probably more so than the exterior even, and the exterior was superb. So, yeah, hats off to the uh, to the team over there because they really did do a fabulous job. Well done to Genesis, and obviously you know to all the other guys that we have mentioned before. Mm. And we're getting to a first now in this in this episode of uh, of Gestalten. We have a winner that we both agree on, Eric. This doesn't happen that often, really? I would like to say. I think it does not happen that very often. Yeah, we have individually when we when we when we picked or you know when we picked all of our uh, you know our winners, oh, yes. we have individually picked the same amount, the same guys for uh, concept car design of 2019. And I'll leave I'll leave the honors up to you. Go yeah. ahead. Who did we pick? Um, we picked the Citroen Ami One. The little tiny car that was unveiled in uh, Geneva earlier this year. And that to me was just a um, beautiful little thing. Um, you know, using the, the Ami name from back in the day um, into something really like very product design, very thoroughly modern, in my opinion, very much relevance and very much of the era. Um, a little compact car that from a practical perspective, had a lot of really cool things going on about it. Um, from the interchangeable doors to, you know, yeah. um, I mean, so many cool things uh, to the like chevrons built into the undercarriage, like um, in the front and on the side of the vehicle. I mean, so many little details that were just really sublime, I thought. Um, and so from a manufacturing perspective, it, it would be, cheaper to produce again this is only a concept car for now um but i thought it was you know in terms of the problems that uh you know the issues that we're having in terms of transportation design um in urban environments where a whole lot of people live nowadays um and reinterpret reinterpreting 
or reinterpret. Ah, can't even speak, man. Anyway, <laughs> uh, an old nameplate for something so thoroughly modern. This little box um, has a, an incredible amount of character. And then the interior, uh, absolutely fantastic use of space as well. Um, yeah. You know, just for like a little two-passenger car, um, the way the seats are, um, you know, just laid out and from one another, and you still have some cargo space in the back. I mean, it's more appealing than a smart car in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, I was I was a big fan of this on many levels. Yeah, I mean, I picked it as well, and you, you you've you've outlined everything pretty much one hundred percent from what I agree. Uh, for me. I'm not a big fan of boxes, but this is a tiny little box, which I just absolutely loved. Um, it fit in perfectly into the idea of Citroen as a very French brand. This is something that would work extremely well in Paris or pretty much any, you know, mega city in the world nowadays. It doesn't take up a lot of space. You know, the interchangeable doors are incredible. I love that concept. And uh, that was obviously the last project I think Alex Malval actively worked on in terms of a concept car before mm. he went over to Mercedes. Yeah. And man, what a, what a goodbye! I mean, you know, this was this was incredible, and I think it blew us just away when we saw it in Geneva. There was nothing similar to that uh, anywhere, like remotely, in terms of not just forward thinking, but also in terms of the idea of a manufacturing process that this could actually come through. So. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And I think, you know, a well-deserved number one. And clearly it, you know, it stuck to our minds since we saw it, you know, almost nine months ago now. So uh, well done to everybody at Citroen. Well done to Alex Malval, obviously not at Citroen anymore, but now being at Mercedes and and also, of course, to uh, to Pierre Leclerc leading the team over there. And I hope, you know, I hope they can show us something really cool again in 2020 at the Geneva show. Maybe something that goes into a similar direction. Who who knows? Mm. Well, I, I don't think uh, the Citroen team is ever short on ideas. They've done some really cool stuff. PSA in general is, is yeah. doing some pretty amazing stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I've always been very impressed by what it is that they, uh, that, they have, uh, that they have put out. So, anyway, yeah, so hats off to the team. And um, let's, uh, let's move on to the next category, shall we? Let's do let's do it like let's finish it up this will be the last category on on this pod and it will be production car design of 2019 eric your bronze medal your number three for 2019 all right again for this category i think i had two um but my main one was the peugeot 208 that was the one that i thought should get it um mainly because there was so many cool things about that little vehicle again it's i think it's way harder to make a successful design in a compact package than in anything else right if you've got room to play and certainly if you've got like dash to axle and stuff and you can make a classic gt it's you know it, those are pretty good ingredients but when you start looking at you know how can we make this compact and still make it look fresh and inviting and appealing from you know sexy quote unquote factor um I think uh, the Peugeot 208 really hit it out of the park. Um, and that was something that, uh, you know, Gilles Vidal's team has been doing very, very well. Um, I, you know, there's nothing um, that I dislike about that car. Um, I think the, you know, perhaps the, if there was one kind of nitpicky thing, um, it's that the, the headlamps are perhaps a little bit too big. 
you know, is, mm-hmm. is that's the only one that I would say, but again, you know, they play with the branding with the, 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 uh, Griffon in there, you know, the, the cat, cat claw. Yeah. Um, it, and, and so that, you know, it's cool. And it's, <clears throat> it's got different identities as well, depending on, you know, the GT line or the E or whatever. It, they look quite, you know, they can have very different characters, but to me, the rear three quarter of that car with the, you know, the little lamps and the black strip running across, which kind of gives the illusion of a full width tail lamp, which is very much de rigueur right now. Um, the surfacing on the body side, the whole like that exterior design to me is very, very good. And then at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, the interior is is uh, is amazing. Um, you know, I think it's a very, very good interior. It's playing on the theme that was initially set out by Amco Lenarts and thinking back in like 2012 or something, which is like way long ago, but they've really fine tuned it. It's matured the compact steering wheel, the, you know, very small IP. Um, yeah, everything is like really like, I remember sitting in that car as well and being like, yeah, everything is like here to hand. And, um, you know, the, the perceived quality in that, uh, was really quite high in my, you know, when mm-hmm. I, I remember sitting there and grabbing the steering wheel, touching the little toggle switches, they're kind of fake toggle switches, but nonetheless, there's a really good kind of uh, spring effect to those, to those switches in the, in the center console. Um, it, there was a lot of very cool pieces that all come together really nice and harmoniously in that interior. So um, yeah, there was a, a lot to like, on that vehicle. And, um, that to me was, uh, yeah, from a production standpoint, one of my favorites, I'd love to actually own one of these. And, you know, the sheer amount of content that was in this vehicle as well is, is astounding. Um, mm. you know, when and you especially think, for its size, yeah, or just for its size as well. Absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, hats off to, uh, to the Peugeot design team on the, uh, on the 208. And then the other one that I was kind of toying with, was the Mustang Mach-E. And, you know, I'm probably going to, you know, some people will, I'm sure, disagree. Um, if you can get past the silly name, I don't think it is a Mustang, but, you know, I was uh, kind of convinced otherwise when I spoke to some of the design team. Um, it is it is a kind of ballsy move to come out and say Mustang is this now and no longer this V8 thing that you guys know, even though it will still be. So that's going to be a bit of a, a topic of confusion, I think, as well, because if it continues to soldier on as a V8 powered coupe and convertible, there's going to be some confusion. But yeah. they need to they need to move that into the future. And so they've, they've decided to make a little SUV, call it a Mach-E. Um, there's there's some cool elements to that car, um, and I think just purely because of you know Ford's first step into electrification is why I was considering it to be uh, a contender here. Ultimately, mm-hmm. the 208 won out, and uh, I think that you know the Mustang Mach-E, while it's good, um, is not something that uh, you know is it made it onto my list. Regrettably, and the 208 trumped that. Yeah, I agree on the 208. I don't agree on the Mustang because I've seen it in real life and I didn't like it. Um, but this is why we have these lists, you know, is that we can we, we can agree to disagree, which is, you know, a very specific feat also to design in general. Um, and agreeing to disagree, I've mentioned this earlier, like, you know, for most disappointing production car, I've mentioned the new Defender, but I also want to mention the Defender as my number three for the production car design of the year. 
and I want to explain this very, very briefly. I don't see the new defender as a successor of the old defender, even though it's, you know, it's a new defender and it's still called defender and all these things. But I like, and I've mentioned this on, on the Honda as well. I like product cars. Um, you know, I love the, 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 the Honda uh, EV concept. I also like the Honda E, even though it does have some letdowns in terms of production, but um, it's the same for the Defender. I like this product approach to it. I've always liked the G-Class or G-Wagon, I think, you know, people call it in English, the G-Class from Mercedes as well. And Defender goes exactly into that kind of direction. For me, I would specify it on the Defender 90, which is the smaller version. I just prefer it from the looks perspective to the uh, the 110, which is the bigger one. Of course, it does have its negative points. The production quality, as you've mentioned earlier, it's very typical to JLR. You know, a lot of plastic. You know, could 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 use a step up, especially in terms of the pricing. But I just enjoy it. You know, I think it's 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 good for what a Defender is in the modern day area. In the modern day era, it's obviously it has nothing to do with with the old one. So let's let's set that completely aside. But when it comes to modern day SUVs, you've mentioned this with the Volvos earlier. I mean, we have a company car which is the XC60 uh, from Volvo. The Defender for me is on that levels where I'm saying, hey, yeah, this is a a good looking SUV, and hey, there's very few of them. So if you achieve that kind of feat of making it a good a good looking SUV. You deserve to be up there. So for me, the, the the new Defender is number three for 2019. Right on. All right. Right on. Okay. We have like, two to I like go. The defender. I like the Defender. I mean, I'd get one, you know, if I could, but I'd, oh, yeah, I'd go for the 110 over the 90 any day of the week. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's how we're a little bit different, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two to go. Number right. two, Eric, silver medal for production car design of 2019. All right, so number two is uh, something that I've already mentioned, and that is the Polestar 2. Um, again, I really like what they've done with that brand. Um, you know, the, the Polestar 1, we've seen that in concept car form as a Volvo many, many years ago now. Um, but I think this Polestar 2 is really showing a brand kind of on its way, um, gaining some momentum, you know, really starting to develop as its own identity with its own personality. And I really like the Polestar too, man. You know, it's uh, the sedan typology mixed in with some urban ruggedness or even off-road uh, Scandinavian ruggedness, if you will. The interior is nice, very simple. Um, you know, what it is that we've kind of come to know and love to me, that interior is very reminiscent of the XC40, which I really like that car as well. Um, and anyway, it's from an exterior perspective, I think that to me is a very nice young, you know, maybe young family owner um, vehicle to own, uh, especially from an electric perspective. Um, a very appealing product. So, you know, that to me is. Um, gets the vote for my second place as the production car design of the year. Deservedly so. I cannot really agree with, uh, you know, uh, argue with you on that one. I can thoroughly agree. But my number two, and I, and I hope you don't throw me against the wall for this one, is the Toyota Supra. And I know that there's been, you know, probably – the most talked about car this year alongside obviously the BMW Z4 because they were based on the same platform. And yes, the Supra from the interior looks like a BMW Z4 because they were developed alongside. 
but I love the Supras in general. You know, I'm a big fan of Japanese, uh, you know, Japanese racing cars, if you want to call them so, like, you know, sports cars. I love the Nissan GTR, uh, especially on this small package. I mean, they're just pretty cool. Godzilla, there's nothing wrong. You know, you can just never do anything wrong with that. Uh, the Supra for me is, you know, I'm I'm just extremely happy to have the Supra. It's something for me that... I love that it's back. I love the way they took it. I know it's not as great as the FT1 concept that they've shown a few years ago, but it picks up exactly that point. It picks up that design language. And no, it's not perfect, but damn, it's the Supra. It's based on the FT1, you know, and I just absolutely love it. it you know, you, you, it, it's a coupe as well. It's not a convertible. It's not a roadster. It's a coupe version that they've brought out first. I love it. You know, for me, it's just really cool. Um, yes, it does have its flaws. Maybe it's sometimes a bit too busy. Some tiny little parts are hideous, but hey, that what happens usually to Japanese cars anyways. But in just that kind of overall feeling, and this is something very difficult for me is I cannot, you know, I cannot really describe exactly why I love it, but this is also for me why it's number two. Um, it's because I just, every time I see it on the streets, like, yeah, that's, that's great. So for me, Supra number two, and I'm very, very happy to discuss if people's just like, hey, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> so yes, I don't, uh, you know, I don't particularly think the Supra is is uh, great from a design perspective. It's probably fun as hell to drive though. Um, and, you know, especially with the short wheelbase and all the rest. But um, all right, each, each, everyone's entitled to their opinions. So I'm going to yeah, be like, if you, if yeah. you want to roast me on this one, if, if any of our listeners want to roast me on this one, please go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to have a very, very, you know, detailed discussion about the Supra. Um, but please <laughs> not about the Z4. The Z4 is not that great. Okay. So, um, <laughs> let's do that. But I, I, I would agree. Arguably, you know, they, um, they did resolve the front end a lot better on the, um, the Supra than the Z4. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. So moving on. Now, last but not least, first place production car design. Last but not least, and production car design of 2019. And yet again, my dear friend Eric Galina, mm. we have come to a conclusive decision that we have a unanimous winner. What is going on with us? Like, you know, like we oh, have the same the answer same as well. I did pick the exact same one as you did, oh, uh, wow. as we did for the concept car design of the year. So, hey, we, we must be doing something right, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> maybe we're spending too much time with one another is what we're doing. Uh, that might be the case. <laughs> that might be the case as well. But um, shed some light on our choice. And I think a lot of people will not be surprised on that one. No, I mean, I've already gone into depth. Uh, I don't think people are going to be surprised on this if they know me. They've listened to this up up until now. First of all, thank you for listening to us for the last hour and change already, I think. Um, but uh, yes, the number one, thanks for the gong, Martin. The number <laughs> one uh, production card design of 2019 for me goes to... The Porsche Taycan. And I'm probably butchering that name. I've heard it pronounced a bunch of different ways, but I think I've spent enough time talking about its virtues and its attributes. It is a quirky little car when you think about how much technology they've put into it, which is kind of weird um, that you would have to operate the air vents through the screen 
kind of weird and strange, but um, maybe that's, you know, just them showing that, you know, you, you need to do this uh, to be avant-garde and technologically advanced. Anyway, so I'm going to let you take it from here because I've said my piece. I quite like it. I think it's good. <laughs> Over to you. I've, I've picked it, of course, number one as well. Um, and it's a little bit of a sign for me. I mean, I... Um, and I want to I want to kind of wrap this up in, with an, a little bit of a summary of 2019 as well. The Taken is a very good overview on what 2019 was. I don't think we had an outstanding year, especially in terms of production cars when it came to design. Mm. But what we have realized, and you've mentioned this with with the, the GAC guys as well, we had a quite solid year. Yeah, so if we look into the cars from production side, also from a concept side, uh, with maybe the exception of the Tesla Cybertruck, there was very few things that were super outstanding, you know, especially looking back into maybe the last two, three, four, five years, where the Porsche taken and obviously excels. It's just the overall package. I think it's still unrecognizably, yeah, sorry, recognizably a Porsche, even though it is an electric Porsche. It's also recognizably a new direction for Porsche for their electric vehicles. Um, I actually, I do like the interior. I do think it's maybe a little bit overloaded with one screen too many, but I do like uh, the interior. And keeping the Porsche DNA in something such as an electric vehicle, which is a massive step for that company. I mean, you know, we should not forget about like 10, 15 years ago, Porsche was almost, you know, on the verge of going down. Then the the Cayenne came over and the Panamera came and they saved that company pretty much. So the the journey that they have taken and also with the Taycan now and how relatively quickly that was what was accomplished and towards the design quality and that they have been able to keep the same quality from, from a design's perspective and the same uniqueness and the same Porsche DNA in an electric vehicle, you know, you don't have to like it that it's electric and it doesn't have a sound and stuff like that, but keeping that um, in, 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 in this, you know, super recognizable Porsche fashion, uh, you mentioned, you know, we saw one in Munich in green, and you just see it like it's like yeah it's a Porsche like you know this it's it's unmistakably Porsche, and is it is it is it ultra special? Is it something that you see like uh, you know we had the SP the SP one and the SP two from Ferrari last year, which was you know just absolutely pretty, and I think were, were the runaway winners if I cor- you know remember correctly. The Taken is not for me the runaway winner, but it's just. In this kind of pool of average to good cars, by far the best that emerged. And that was the first one that came to my mind, and that's why I stuck with it. And this, I think, is a good summary on on the entire design year 2019. It wasn't outstanding, but just a general kind of quality of a lot of things was uh, was higher. And this goes you know, beyond everything. This goes towards the US, goes to Europe, and also nowadays to China. And you obviously put the Polestar 2 on... Uh, you know, on your number two spot, which is a half European, half Chinese car, pretty much. Oh, so um, it's it's in terms of quality, in terms of the, the 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 level that we're expecting nowadays, extremely positive. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So yeah, nice. so congratulations to all our winners, to the Porsche team, to the Citroen team uh, in particular for winning their respective rewards uh, unanimously. And uh, I also wanted to take the chance, first of all, Eric, thank you very much for always taking the time to do the, uh, the, the podcasts. 
Um, also, a big thank you to Eddie, who's <laughs> always sitting here listening to us silly people talking about things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and producing everything, cutting out any kind of issues we have with the audio line, doing all the stuff on Instagram and on, on Twitter and everything that you can see online is pretty much done by him. So thank you very much to Eddie, who's sitting next to me at the moment. Uh, for for doing all of that and of course to all of our listeners <laughs> on the concept house front of course as well uh, and a massive thank you to all the listeners um, I think we we will share probably something next year but we had a massive milestone in terms of um, in terms of views in terms of listens on various platforms just very recently and this is something that you know, we, we do very much appreciate, yes, we do spend the time and talk, but at the same time, we do appreciate you taking the time to listen to us, um, to comment on, on, on things, to call us and just like, Hey, I agree on that one. Oh, I didn't like what you said over here, but for all the engagement, for everything that, you know, you have, you have given back to us in 2019, I think on behalf of Eric, Eddie, and, uh, and of course myself, a very massive thank you for all the support and, you know, for keeping the podcast going. I mean, you know, we're, we're doing that for all of, for all of our listeners and for everybody out there who's interested in car design. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, I do want to second that from Martin because, uh, I always, I'm always impressed by people that reach out to me and they're like, you know, in Portland, Oregon and stuff. And, uh, you know, listening to us, uh, talk about cars and about the car design industry and, you know, big shout out to all you guys. And uh, thanks for spending this year with us. And um, hopefully we'll hit the ground running with the new year and be able to present you some equally compelling episodes, um, maybe even some improved episodes. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Anyway, in, in the meanwhile, I uh, just wanted to share t with everyone, you know, extend our well wishes for an, a very very nice holiday season a merry christmas and uh other things if you don't celebrate christmas and indeed a very happy new year which uh you know we will see you in uh in 2020 in 2020 in january we will be back and we are looking forward to sharing our opinion and our knowledge with uh, with all of you in reviews of shows special episodes and also in the meantime do follow us on on Instagram at Concept House at Form Trends. Uh, you know, follow us on Spotify on anything that you listen to, iTunes, uh, Deezer. You know, on your local kind of podcast app, whichever you have. And once again, thank you. And we're looking forward to sharing our thoughts and our opinions with you in 2020. Thank you, and bye bye. Bye bye, guys. Thanks. <laughs>